So, about an hour into recording this episode, there were some technical difficulties, and we thought we lost the audio, but then we didn't. So, this podcast is kind of split in between two separate podcasts that we thought would be one. So, this is part one. Hi, Richie. Hi, Sin. Hi, everyone. So, this is actually- Hello. Hello. No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I'm everyone. <laughs> this was supposed to be a surprise. Because <laughs> this is the first episode of 2020. Yay. What? Oh my god. You just said we were recording with Saint. You didn't say it was the first episode of 2020. I decided like 30 minutes ago because I still have episodes to edit from the past like two months but they're gonna be in 2020 and I feel like at least one episode should be like oh look at this this is the first episode of 2020 what a glorious occasion huh even though it's actually still 2019 for us okay it was supposed to be like an illusion Richie but you ruined it okay So, Saint, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I'm I'm Saint. <laughs> so, Saint, tell us about your content and what you do. I mainly stream on Twitch. Usually, like I do, like invasions in. Dark Souls, like uh, one through three, and uh, Bloodborne on the weekends. Everyone who knows me probably knows me for that reason. And then during the week, I just play like old video games or whatever kind of pops up. And then on YouTube, I I just make crazy people videos about Dark Souls player versus player. Um, I I stamp my feet and scream and wait for Elden Ring news to to happen. Where could people find you on YouTube and Twitter and stuff like that, Saint? On YouTube, it is Saint underscore Riot. On Twitch, it's just one word, Saint Riot. And if you want me on Twitter, you have to put in like all the underscores because it's like underscore Saint underscore Riot underscore. Yep, that's it. (laughs) Is it because XXX Saint XXX Riot XXX was taken? (laughs) I wish I had thought of that. I went for. saint underscore riot 420 and it was that was gone so damn it (laughs) yeah okay excellent thank you and today we're gonna talk about some soulsborne stuff yay yay hooray and um i asked on discord and people had some questions about dark souls And we have them here in front of us. The first question is by Che Pablo. It says, I have many questions, of course. Okay, thank you, Che Pablo. I'll be honest. I just copy-pasted these. Usually I go through them and sort them in like a way that makes sense. (laughs) This was just a copy-paste of everything. (laughs) Because I'm on vacation. (laughs) And I'm just like napping and drinking. Yeah, it's it's automatically formatted this so they're all different headings when i saw that this thing has all these different sections i thought god how long is this and i was now each of those is like one line yeah yeah 
Okay. Uh, Vlad Lad says, for real, I always wanted to hear Saint talk at length about his ideas. Okay, Saint, talk at length about your ideas. Go. <laughs> what are your ideas? <laughs> All right. So <laughs> what if we could wear socks on our hands and we could wear gloves on like those kind of ideas? Or do you want just Dark Souls ideas? You probably just want, okay, Dark Souls ideas, right? Um, we can do both. Vlad didn't specify. <laughs> I live in the United States and this is what you get, Vlad. You're going to hear about my, my, my sock hand. No. Um, <laughs> I live in the United States and I live in the Southern United States, uh, which puts me firmly in um, a camp of people who do Dark Souls on YouTube. And so, like, I have to be obsessed with Velka. Like, that's just, those are the rules. I didn't make them up. They just, I just have to go <laughs> by them, right? So, yeah. where, I, where I differ with everybody else who says y'all and also cares about Velka is everyone is always uh, really like, Oh, where did Velka go? What is Velka? Where did Velka go? Where did Velka go? And um, I love the idea of Velka, but I see her as this, like she's done. She, her, her storyline concluded at the end of dark souls one. She's the goddess of sin and judgment and, and metting out punishment. And so I see this, you know, the gods, uh, and and their lackeys have cooked up this this uh, oh what if we tell them that they should totally light themselves on fire uh, you know we don't really tell them that we just they'll light <laughs> themselves on fire we'll tell them it's awesome and uh, you know if you do it then you're like you're the best guy so then that actually happens but I I've always assumed that when the bird picks you up at the uh, undead asylum. Like that's sort of uh, Velka. Like we're gonna do this. We're gonna we're gonna see this. We're gonna actually do this uh, prophecy. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this prophecy, and you're gonna do it. And in the process of doing that, you're gonna kill all these dudes who who basically conspired against humans. And the the whole Dark Souls thing to me is just uh, one big conspiracy against humans. And and I love yeah I love that kind yeah. of oh it's. I could talk about it forever. <laughs> well, we'll get comfy. <laughs> the, but yeah, so I, I love Velka. I love, I love Velka not being around. I'm, 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 I'm all about uh, this. It's one of those, I, I feel like it did. It was such a good story point that I didn't want to see it mm-hmm. brought back up. I never wanted to meet Velka. Mm-hmm. You know? My muse has a question for you. Uh, is your muse the the liquor? Is are we or is it? You haven't seen my muse, have you? Okay, I'm going to show you my muse. I've not seen your muse. <sighs> what? What's the problem, Richie? Go on. No, no, tell us, tell us, well, Richie. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's let's all see your muse. Okay. I believe the liquor is your muse, but it's it, you choose to let it take the form of. Of a small sort of fairy cat. So I posted the muse in the Discord saint. Oh, it's adorable. Thank you, Anze. <laughs> Anze made it. Yay. It's got sushi floating around it. Yeah. What is it drinking? It's got an umbrella in it. Mmm. What indeed. <laughs> what is it drinking, Richie? <laughs> It's drinking a Japanese slipper, which is the cocktail that Sin makes 
uh, while we're recording. <laughs> and I do mean while, not before. So it's totally liquor then. <laughs> yeah. And what kind of mug is the muse holding, Richie? Is it the Abruitus mug? It's the Abruitus mug! Isn't it beautiful? Good. <laughs> it's incredible to think that, like, two years ago, we hadn't even, like, talked properly, and now it's this. <laughs> Does Saint know Abruitus? I think we'll just stick to the questions. Now, hang on. Okay. All right. I, I do know Abruitus, and I have to... I have absolute as as the creator of a stupid voice that people just enjoy way more than you ever intended. I feel absolute solidarity with you on this issue. Thank you, thank you, I, thank you. I am I am well aware, <laughs> and and uh, just just stay strong. You know what? I think I can die happy. Like people know Bruitus. Um, I did everything I needed to do on this earth. <laughs> you can't go any higher than this. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Saint. Oh yeah. So my muse um had a question. What is the question? Well, you know when your muse comes to you and it tells you a question in the moment, you're like, ah, <laughs> but then you're like, oh, that's going to be really stupid. I know exactly what that's like. <laughs> Do you think Valka is into war? Sin discovered Vor very recently. And she's just like this wide-eyed child who's just imagining all the things that can be Vor now. <laughs> yeah, because me starts with Vor and Valka starts with Vor. That's true. That's true. Unden that's undeniable. I would go so far as to say it's 100% fact. So I don't know a lot about the, the cut content of, of the souls games. And, and, but I know that, you know, that's a big part whenever you guys talk about it and on your podcast or like watching uh, Lance and his YouTube and stuff like that, whenever I hear mm -hmm. the cut content, I'm like, Oh, that's really cool. But I don't know much about it, but I do know that originally Gwendolyn uh, was supposed to have some sort of like, connection like uh, with velka in some way and in dark souls 3 gwendolyn is vored by aldrich and so there you have it yes yes oh my god it's oh my it's god. canon now yes wow i've never been more happy this is the best podcast of 2020 y'all <laughs> <laughs> thank you saint you are more than welcome. <laughs> also, by the way, there's a little lag between when we talk. That's why sometimes it seems like I'm talking over you when I'm actually not. Yeah, yeah. Like as when you play, you know, when you're doing Dark Souls PvP and you're 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 playing against someone who lives far away from you, you know, there's like more latency. It's kind of like I'm adjusting to the latency. You guys, you guys are hitting me with like some phantom range on your straight swords, which is total bullshit, but it's no big <laughs> deal. It's no big deal. I'll, I'll adjust. Thank you, <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So back to the topic. Saint, mm -hmm. do you have anything else you'd like to say about Valka or any revelations you may have had that you'd like to share with us? Um, I, I'm kind of like looking through the questions that 
that we have. And there are like I'm gonna loop back around to to Velka on on pretty much every one of these questions, even questions like, uh, you know, why JSF doesn't like Yorshka. The reason he doesn't like Yorshka will be Velka, and and we'll get into that. We'll get into that. That's coming. That's don't you worry. All right. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Excellent. So then we can go on to the next question by Che Pablo, and Che Pablo asks. Who was Gwen? We know who he was, of course, but what kind of person was he? I think the Ringed City reveals a lot of clues, but how are they connected? Gwen always gets like the brunt of the, geez, what a jerk that guy was. Um, because he's, you know, he defied uh, nature and, and, and kind of set the, the whole thing in motion. But I think the Ringed City kind of... Uh, I think all of the game has attempted to like spread that blame out amongst all of the gods, but Gwen, for whatever reason, right. has always sort of taken the brunt of it with with the the players, the fans. Um, and I think that I think the Ring City kind of went out of their way, like you know they they put the 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 dark sign on the Ringed Knights and sort of like the, who had to have done that? Who had to have done that? Like the Witch of Islev had to have done that, right? And and it sort of paints Gwen in a more like yeah he feared humans and he and he obviously wasn't like a good guy, but it wasn't like he ran away from them. Obviously, they played some part in. But that's you know we kind of got a feel for that in Dark Souls One with Ulysses. You know that was obviously like a human place, and and New Londo was a human place, and Gwen seemed okay with that. Um, and we get mm. uh. You get the statue at the end of the Ringed City with the, the Chloranthi ring sort of representing Felionor and uh, Gwen just sort of pawning off his kids and being like, well, you know, you guys never, don't ever leave here. Don't ever leave here. And just, you know, my sleepy daughter will will make your your little land here. It'll always be vibrant and growing and good. And, uh, you know, so like, yeah, he's, he's a total jerk, but, you know, he was he was at least you know, yeah, he wasn't like stomping on pygmies underfoot and like throwing them in fires or anything. Uh, well, yeah, he was yeah trying to like keep everything based, right? Basically defending the status quo, right? Yeah, exactly, is what he was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. What would have happened if he threw them in the fire? What the pygmies? Yeah. I kind of think humans had something to do with um, the Witch of Isolith, like trying to start her own fire. Like the one of the right. things that that they talk about, like it's the the witches aren't casting pyromancy; like they're using fire magic, which is something that humans can't do. We just can't. But they the the witches gave yeah. the humans pyromancy as a sort of but. It's it's inherently tied to uh, humanity, uh, and that creates chaos. So the idea that there's you know this bed of chaos, like, and it's, I mean, it, I don't know, but to me, it's just always seemed like somewhere down the line there had to have been like some kind of human element to that. If chaos is a, a sort of culmination of fire plus humanity equals chaos. 
Yeah, and they they taught um the the humans pyromancy, and there's like that. There's that special flame in two that like scales with hollowing. Presumably, that's just that wouldn't work on anyone that isn't human because only humans can hollow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. The peas and corn asks, within the ring city is a swamp with the dragon slayer armor. It's like BB with stacked realms, or is it just from software recycling material? BB, BB. <laughs> so, I, I, the question I take it, <laughs> the question I take it is: Is the Dragon Slayer armor in the swamp because, like Bloodborne, has stacked realms? Is you know, is the Ring City stacked realms? Um, which I, I think no. I think the we see. Like the world literally collapsing in on itself uh, is, is the first thing we see uh, in the Drake Heap, and I guess we saw it before that when we fought the Soul of Cinder. the The whole world is like collapsed in on itself, and like a hole has opened up, almost like the world is hollowing, and everything's just falling into this hole. And it doesn't have to make sense to us, like spatially because it's dark souls and the whole earth can move and yada. So, but I think just the dragon slayer armor fell in from Lothric. And remember the first thing in the drag heap that we see is Lothric. So the, the dragon slayer armor just fell into the hole, uh, landed in the, the swamp, the, I guess it's like a weird humanity swamp. And that has sort of resurrected the armor similarly to how, the pilgrim butterfly controlled it when we fought it the first time. Yeah. And I, I, for whatever reason, I guess the, the dragon slayer armor is, is just like, you can, humanity can just hop in and ride it. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's never made clear. Like if the dragon slayer armor is, is just a suit of armor or if it's some sort of like golem thing that's being controlled. Like if it's if it's meant to be an animated sort of statue in the first place, or if it coming to life is just something the butterflies did. Yeah, and like yeah, when you first, you know, the first time I play through the game, it's armor, and you you get the soul of the armor, and it says it was reanimated, and you say, okay, so maybe it, this was like you know, maybe this was Osiris's like dragon slaying armor, or maybe this was the nameless the nameless yeah. king's dragon yeah. slaying, slaying armor. Um. But every time we meet the the thing, it's it's possessed by darkness or humanity, you know. So I like maybe it was just always uh, a, yeah. a golem, you know, that just did it. Yeah, because like the first time I saw it, because you see, like it's on the bridge, and then the butterfly is on it, and then it sort of rises up, and I thought, oh, that that's the guy who was in the armor, and they turned into that butterfly, and now they're still controlling the armor. But then it's also written as though it could be some sort of like like a golem or something that's controlled, that's always meant to be controlled by an outside force. Because Dark Souls question mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I guess like to add to the whole stacked realms thing, this is something that like we sort of touched on before when you said that like the first thing you see in the Dreg Heap is bits and pieces of Lothric. And, like, it's very explicitly, like, bits and pieces of Lothric. You see Lothric Knights, you see the Lothric Banner, you see, like, the, the passive man that's petrified. But then, when you're fighting Gale, in the background of his arena, you can see 
a completely intact Lothric castle on the horizon. So I think you just have to assume that like time and space are collapsing as you're going through that area because those two things can't both exist right. at once. I, the the Ring City's a weird yeah. one because they I like I the the moment I think Lap is the first one that says it, but um he says at the end of the world. And so like the first time I heard that, I was like, okay, yeah. I, I will almost because the whole Dark Souls three premise is like literally these places are moving around on the map to get closer to each other so that somebody will link this fire. So when I heard someone say at the end of the world, my mind immediately went, okay, then it, it is both like physically and metaphysically at the end of the world. It only exists at the end of the world insofar as like time goes, but also like if, if dark souls was like, if if it was on like a, a flat earth, <laughs> the ringed city is like at the end of flat earth, <laughs> but none of that has to, it, yeah. yeah, because none of it can be where it's all at. Like, you know, we, we know that that's not how that, like, that's not how it played out. Like Lothric is not, when you're playing dark souls three, you're not on top of, um, uh, the dark souls two area. What's it called with the windmills? The, Drang yeah, Lake. the, Oh, yes, Earth and right. Peak. So yeah. it's like we know Lothric's yeah. not on top of the Earth and Peak, and we know the Earth and Peak wasn't on top of uh, Firelink Shrine, and we know that if you took the hole in Firelink Shrine, you didn't go to the Ringed City. Um, but none of this has to make sense because conveniently and uh, I guess wisely, the first thing they did when they started crafting this final version of the game was say these places can just move, and you just have to yep. just accept that. Okay, <laughs> fine, they can move. Okay, cool. Thank you. I'm I'm very excited for these next questions. Yeah, oh, okay. So, Chair Pablo asks, what is Felianor doing exactly? Um, she's sleeping. Yeah. Like I I assume the question is like is like like she's obviously some sort of like spell or gatekeeping like mechanism. Um She's sleeping, but I like beyond like is she is she stopping us from uh seeing things as as they really are, or is she holding like time together in place and the answer to that question is I have no idea what she's doing <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably similar to what happens in Anolondo and Dark Souls One, where there's like there are things there that are clearly physical and are really there and you're fighting them. But then when you dispel Gwendolyn's illusion, they disappear. So it's not like they were always there. They were real things, but they were sustained by Gwendolyn. Mm. So I'm guessing it's just the same thing where it's just that on a massive scale where like the whole of the city is sustained by Filianor. My, what drives me crazy. Like I, I, the, we can kill Gwendolyn and nothing changes. It's, but when we destroy the illusion of Guinevere, we see in Orlando for what it really is. So yeah, like uh, <laughs> who's if, if what, what, which part of that is like, is, is feeling like she can't be uh, constructed by anything. You know what I mean? She can't be an illusion like Guinevere is, but she's a real, yeah, she leaves a corpse. Yeah. Yeah, but and but 
Oh, I, I guess it's it's the egg. the answer is the egg. That's the answer to uh, Che Pablo's question. What exactly yeah. uh, is Philinor doing? She is uh, hanging out with Egg, and Egg is <laughs> Egg is life. Egg is love. Oh, okay. But what if the egg was actually filled with a Japanese slipper, and she drank it all and fell asleep? Yeah. She's just hungover. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is a cautionary tale for you, Sam, Oh my god, oh my god. You can't let your life pass you by. Drunk yeah. <laughs> Drunk on that Japanese liquor. <laughs> oh wow. Actually, yeah. And then when you wake her up, she's, she's like, like, Oh god, what? yeah <laughs> everything just ends. <laughs> I've also heard theories that once you wake her up, you're actually transported into the future. Well, yeah, because it's possible that, like, the other explanation is that, like, rather than it being an illusion specifically, it's that she's somehow holding back time. Like, her sleeping, her not being awake is, like, holding everything in, in the present forever because, like, she's asleep. Mm-hmm. And then when she wakes up, suddenly everything... I think we talked about this another time about that um the Taro the fisherman story about the the fisherman he's it's like a Japanese folktale about a fisherman and he he's um he he's taken to the palace of the king of the sea under the sea and he lives there for a very long time and then when he goes back to the the shore the time he spent there like passed much much faster so it's like Decades and decades and decades later when he gets back to the shore and then when he, it's like Rip Van Winkle and then he realizes how long it's been and he sort of ages to dust. It made me think a bit of that. Ooh. One of the Ulasil sorceries um, says that light is time. I read that and I was like, okay, wait, that's actually kind of neat. If, if when I kill a boss... I can't be invaded anymore. And I also can't co-op. Like, I, I can't pull you into my world. I can't pull your ghost into my world anymore. It's because I've sort of, like, cemented some sort of, like, present on uh, an ever-shifting, you know, like, Ouija board world where Dark Souls happens. And, like, all these ghosts can constantly come in and harass you or help you. But when you kill the boss, the boss turns into a bonfire. The bonfire puts off light, and the light is, uh, okay, this is, you've anchored your world uh, to this light. And I was always, you know, so playing through Dark Souls 3, I read that item description, it made me think about all the other Dark Souls, and I was like, oh, that's a really cool idea. And then you get to Felionor, and like, uh, okay, <laughs> like, there's no... There's no, like, source of light. There's no, you know, she's light. I mean, there's a bonfire right there, but, like, she's a corpse before you light that bonfire. And she wasn't a corpse just a moment ago. And you touched the egg and the whole thing. So I don't, I don't, it's, it's drifting me. It's, I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> She'd technically be, like, the princess of sunlight, though, because she's Gwen's daughter. That is true. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. So she's, yeah, like, her entire being is basically just a, a being of light. So, okay, okay, you fixed me. Thank you. <laughs> Don't mention it. <laughs> I, I love Gwen's family so much. 
Awesome. Awesome. We're getting somewhere. Oh, this okay. next question is so good. Yeah. Are we ready for the next yeah. question? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was born ready for just get it over with. Oh my god, before we go on to the next question, um, Saint, have you seen the episodes where we did an interview with the Soul of Cinder as well as Gail? I did not. Yeah. Yeah, we got them on. I'll send you the link afterwards. So I was just thinking maybe we should have your show on as well. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. She's in she's in uh she's in high demand. I you know, and I hear she's a bit of a diva. Mariah Yorshka. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the next question is, the next question is again by She Pablo. Why doesn't Richie like Yorshka? Well, it's not that I dislike Yorshka as an individual. <laughs> it's that Yorshka as, as a character, as a way she fits into the world, makes virtually no sense at all, but people keep asking me to explain it. And this has metastasized into a very real loathing of the character, <laughs> and which has been made worse over time as I have been hanging around the data mining community and found other versions of Yoshka <laughs> that existed in other areas. And it just like cements that basically they had this character model. And they didn't know what to do with her, so they just kept putting her in different places and coming up with different stories for her. Um, I guess, like, I don't know. Just quickly, like, having looked into it, I get the impression that in one of the, like, earlier drafts of the story, Yoshka was, like, very, very important. Um, she, like, would not have been called Yoshka, probably wasn't supposed to be Gwyn's kid, but I get the feeling that, like, you know, in, in Sekiro, the stuff about, like, the divine children where they're, like, kidnapping Kuro and then they're trying to, like, make their own divine air by putting water in children and stuff. I think that might actually have been close to what Dark Souls 3 initially was about. Because, um, I get, yeah, we'll just keep going, whatever. Like, <laughs> um, so, like, it looks like the early sort of, Dark Souls 3 stuff was very much about, like, finding or creating a dragon baby. And Yoshka looks like a dragon child lady girl. Also, uh, I do know this, the cut content where she was in Irithyll Dungeon, and Irithyll Dungeon is full of those not quite, yeah. not yeah. quite dragon people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll lay out the current understand the current unified theory of Yoshka. <laughs> okay. So, like, I don't know if you know this. I know Sin knows it, but like, you know, in Bloodborne, when they flash back to Bergenworth from the Grand Cathedral. Yes. Yeah. Um. That. That's done by there's just a little tiny copy of Bergenworth outside the map that they just move the camera to. It doesn't actually load the Bergenworth map, which obviously it does to prevent itself from having to load, because otherwise there'd be a loading screen, basically. Um, so basically, there's a little tiny chunk of Bergenworth just floating outside the Grand Cathedral that the camera moves to. So some data miners that I was talking to 
they found a very similar thing in the Road of Sacrifices in Dark Souls 3, where there is just a little room that's floating outside the map, and it looks kind of like it might be the Cathedral of the Deep, and it's Yoshka and an evangelist, and they're, like, posed facing each other. And then in the Cathedral of the Deep, when Lance was playing around with the data mining there, he found out that there's a bunch of, like, instances of Yoshka in that building. Um, if he, he activated them all at once, so it looked like there were a ton of Yoshkas, but it's, it's probably more likely that one would be on at a time as she moved around. And then, so we have that. So we also have the Osiros Ocelot, like, shouting about his baby thing. That mm-hmm. has always been there, even before... When before Osiris was meant to be the king of Lothric, he was just something called the the Dragon Angel. But he still had the baby, and he would still have the lines about like I will not give him up. And then you also had the dragon babies in Irithil Dungeon, and like Yoshka, if you look at her, she's very close to. She's very draconic. She's got the tail. She's got the the scales, and she kind of has horns. And it looks a lot like just from piecing that together that like. They somehow kidnapped Yoshka and took her to the cathedral, and like she was then going to be kidnapped again to be taken to Irithil Dungeon, kind of like Kuro in Sekiro, that like you were maybe trying to trail her. And then you have all these people like creating or obsessively protecting dragon children. So it, it looks like she's maybe just a leftover from some weird early story about like. You know, like the Sekiro stuff about the children with the heritage of the dragon, that, like, maybe that actually started off as a Dark Souls 3 thing and kind of got recycled. I don't know. But, yeah, it looks like there were definitely cutscenes of Yoshka. Probably before she was Yoshka. She, internally, she's, she's actually called Saint, internally. Oh, neat. Yeah, cool. Like, I have never had an issue, um... With Yorshka in Dark Souls 3, and I think it is, I think that, like, as you guys who, who go into this, uh, like, cut content, like, you, you sort of, you see all these, like, uh, worlds that could have been and stories that could have been. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, it would absolutely drive me mad trying to. Yeah, yeah like complete a circle that so I I don't I've never had that so to me I see Yorshka and she's like yeah I'm Gwen's kid and I was like well it's okay like I will 100% I'll buy this as soon as you're selling it to me like Gwendolyn had snakes for legs uh, and you have scales and maybe maybe uh, Priscilla was I know that was a theory that Priscilla was one of was Gwen's kid and was locked away in the painted world so if Sullivan I love Pontiff Sullivan. I, I love this guy. He's, he's, he's one of my favorite, like, Dark Souls characters. So his, um, if his whole thing is like, I hate the, the, the gods, Gwen's family, like, those are the, he hates them, just can't stand them. Um, but for some reason, he feels some sort of kinship with Yorshka, and Yorshka has, you know, a very Priscilla-esque, um aura about her with the tail and the oh I'm very soft spoken and just I don't you know like everything's nice here it's nice it's nice but at some point obviously Gwendolyn uh Yorshka sort of represented something very similar to Felionor um Yorshka's spear uh the weapon and and I think the spear even says something about like hey this 
idea about sleep. Yeah, this will put you to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. So, the I, uh, Yorshka to me was always just sort of like, oh yeah, I guess Sullivan either he was cool enough with her to like not despise her, um, or he, you know, like he's got something else planned that he'll do later and he's just keeping her in the tower for, for the time being. But even the, the fact that she's up there in the tower, um, you know, and, and the tower takes you, yeah. like, we know where that tower would take you in Dark Souls 1. It would take you to the painting. Um, and if you take the tower down in Dark Souls 3, that tower shows you, you know, you find the painting guardians stuff there. So, for me, yeah. Yorshka was always just sort of like, a, oh, okay. You know, but uh, like listening to your guys' yeah. podcast, and 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 I, I I I take a weird, perverse pleasure from how much uh, <laughs> you get tired of talking about yours. <laughs> okay, that was part one of the podcast we thought we'd lost but hadn't. So here is part two. Okay. And I'm going to press record here and save. All right, let's do this. <laughs> Hi, Richie. <laughs> Hi, Sin. Hi, everyone. What's happening today, Richie? Well, this is the third attempt mm-hmm. at recording mm-hmm. a discussion about Dark Souls with Saint Riot. Woo! Why not introduce yourself to us <laughs> again? Hello, I'm St. Riot. Again. <laughs> well, St. Tell us about yourself. I feel like we're so, like, intimately connected on this third round <laughs> that I could just, like, send the vibrations of, of my whole inner being. But basically, uh, I, I, I do Dark Souls um, PvP. But um, I, I'm also like a, you know, like a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a self-professed uh, lore nerd uh, as well. So I always try and I, I like to try and bridge those two uh, very desperate uh, nerd worlds together because I feel like they they could they could have some sort of like weird Dark Souls community baby. Um, <laughs> Maybe like a, a dragon baby kind of thing with, I don't know. We'll just, we'll see where it goes. Excellent. Thank you. And where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on YouTube at Saint underscore Riot or at Twitch at just Saint Riot. with just one word. And I'm also on Twitter. Um, you can just look for Saint Riot and I'm sure I should be one of like the first two or three that, that, that pops up. Thank you. And today we're going to talk about some Dark Souls. Woo! Yay! I could talk about this forever. Well, it looks like you're going to have to because the audio recording today is not very good and we had to restart this a few times. This is literally the best day of life, having to do this. this is you know, I'm, I'm. It's the best day of my life. I'm here for this. Sorry, this say is, that again. The, the best day of my life. I'll say it three more times, and I'll mean it every one. (laughs) 
So we answered some of the questions that were posted on Discord. And if the previous audio can be salvaged, it may or may not find itself on Patreon, depending on how bad it is. But we're just going to continue with the questions. The next question is by Che Pablo. Okay. Why doesn't Richie like Yorshka? Well, this is a long story. Oh, thank you, Richie. That's all right. Saint, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I, I just want to, like, looking at the Discord uh, messages that you, you, you copied and pasted them, I, I took this question from, from Che Pablo, why does JSF dislike Yorshka? I took it as, like, he was asking me that question. Like, I oh, had okay. the, the, the answer to, to oh. why. Um, and I don't. So <laughs> I, I, I appreciate no, cause you know, that, that, that question goes yeah. deep, but I, I don't have your answer. I don't know. I actually, I do know because he just explained it, <laughs> but excellent. I, um, I was, I was saying to, to Richie, like I, I've never had an issue with Yorshka. I've like, when she says, uh, yeah, I'm Gwen's kid. Well, she doesn't say that, but she says, Gwendolyn's my brother. So, you know, uh, by virtue of this, I am Gwen's kid. So I was like, okay, sure. You know, like Gwendolyn has snakes for legs. I will absolutely believe that you are also his kid. So, you know, uh, fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like in, in life, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And like, she just kind of gets appointed to like some sort of like dark moon um, position of authority. Uh, by virtue of the fact that her brother like runs this 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 company, and you know, like so after the events of Dark Souls One, Gwendolyn, you know, he he takes on this more leadership focused role of Anorlando and and Irithil. Uh and so Yorshka just kind of lucks into like a nice office with a good view, you know. <laughs> That's I just she got the corner office. <laughs> sense yeah and i guess you can look forward to more yoshka content coming soon because they dug up some more fucking yoshka which we're gonna have to cover i think we're gonna have yoshka on the podcast to tell her side of the story what do you think the internet's like in anolondo because <laughs> she'd have to do it from her town might encounter some difficulties that Yoshka cut content was was like this this cliche of a Freudian dream, <laughs> where we're just going through the files, and then suddenly there's a, just a gigantic Yoshka looming over me, and it's like no, no. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. You asked what the internet is like in Orlando. And as someone who has spent a considerable amount of time invading in in what we mm-hmm. lovingly refer to as Gank City, <laughs> I can tell you that it's trash. It is awful. It is <laughs> it is bad. <laughs> like they don't have casting animations for chaos bed vestiges. It just comes out, and you just take damage. Sometimes it doesn't come out, and you just take damage. <laughs> That means we're going to have to take a road trip to the tower to visit her. Yay! Richie doesn't seem to be very excited about this. 
she's she's gonna have a really stupid question for you when you first get there. <laughs> Are you a bird? <laughs> oh, <laughs> poor Yorshka. It's like imagining the day they had to explain that the new head of the Dark Moon Knights is Yoshka. She's <laughs> <laughs> just staring off into the distance with like the Dark Moon <laughs> stuff like shoved up her nose. Going, Are you bird? <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, time out. We're on to something. We're on to something. Why do you think Cirrus left the Dark Moons? Oh, she's just fed up. <laughs> She's done. Yeah. She she was she was in line for a promotion. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and then they just put Yorshka in there and she was she was like, uh, "No, nah, I got I'm going to go talk to my grandpa. This is ridiculous." <laughs> so, Richie, Yorshka is in your mind the equivalent of Ralph? Yeah, yeah, Yorshka is the Ralph Wiggum of Dark Souls. <laughs> we kill Vaders. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Okay, that was an hour to get through that question. <laughs> well, for people listening, that's only like 10 minutes. <laughs> Actually, yeah, technically yeah. speaking, it's been two hours. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but the, the the gap in between starting and answering that question was about an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Real condensed loathing yeah. from Richie yeah. there. Yeah. Like if 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 you if you if you were gonna make a soup out of that, you'd have to add water. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be a pretty salty soup. Dishwater soup. You know about dishwater soup? Oh my god. I know. I boom. Look at that. That is a that is a that's yep. yeah. That is. that is a that is a snack wraith lore <laughs> callback. Nailed it. Damn I worked that in. Beautiful <laughs> Oh, yeah, and I asked Saint if he heard about Dignity City, and he hasn't heard about it yet. So I sent him sketchy boss arenas. Yeah? Yeah, Richie, our best work. Yeah. I listened to that podcast while I was, like, drinking my morning coffee. And now, admittedly, I had stuff I had to do around the house, so I didn't get to, like, listen to every minute of it. But I never heard the words Dignity City brought up. <laughs> Richie, do you want to explain briefly what Dignity City is? Sin Sin was trying to figure out what Bergenworth would mean in English. Because apparently it's not just a name. It has to translate to something. <laughs> mm. And and she realized that Berg meant a city. And worth was your sense of dignity. And then I uh, I was very tired at that point. I just snapped what? So it's called Dignity City. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, about a week later, it was a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> this happens every time I say anything. So I'm just, eventually I'm just going to be too frightened to talk. <laughs> but I think it's like, it's a little bit like karma, because when you say something, it's not always like, oh, good idea, Sin. It's like repeating back to me what I said and making me feel like, oh, yeah, that's pretty stupid. So I'm pretty sure it's karma, Richie. Also saying, just so that you know, Dignity City has a signet. And uh, I put it in Discord. So there is a Bruitus over there, and there's Horsefish. 
and they're in Dignity City University. Horsefish. What? What is? Uh, that was sin. Sin forgot what a seahorse was. <laughs> Called it a horsefish. Horsefish. Yes. Ebruidus is is most definitely one of the 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 cutest things I've ever seen. Yeah, and another reason I'm terrified <laughs> of talking. I mean, like, I okay. So I made I made a, a video um, while I was doing invasions. I had this idea in my head of like, I really like role playing games. You know, yeah. I had this idea for, uh, you know, well, if if you had a dungeon master and he was narrating your invasions to you and he was just constantly belittling you and like making fun of you. So I Aww. I did a video. I, I, I made up a little voice for the dungeon master. And now anytime I do anything, I am always uh, berated with do the dungeon master uh, voice. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, I yeah, like I absolutely feel Thank solidarity there with, 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 with Richie and DeBruidit. Yeah. Well, I mean, Richie doesn't have to do a Brutus voice all the time. There's also the pirate Richie. There's the Dalek Richie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many of which I don't know exist until you just announce. <laughs> do it as this. Well, beatbox Richie is a favorite. <laughs> which is just actual just Willem noises that you thought were made. <laughs> There's also the time we had Varty on and people <laughs> thought it was me. Thus completely negating <laughs> what we had to do. Having Varty on, on your thing. We had Varty on for like 40 seconds. But people just think it's me. <laughs> I've seen that Varty was on your um was on your podcast. I haven't listened to it, but I saw the thumbnail. I was like, that's a big gig, yeah. you know. But it never occurred to me that he's also Australian. And I was actually just talking. They're like, this to me, there are two, there are the two types of Australians. There's the, the, the ones that are all very, um, cheerful. And then there's like Richie. <laughs> there's like, and, 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 you know, obviously no offense meant here, Richie, but like I've always called them like the Eeyore Australians. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> but, you know, if if Vadi's not, like, bringing that Vadi thunder for a video, if he's just having a conversation, it might, yeah, it might be difficult to discern, especially for us, you know, over here in, yeah. in the West, you know? I will send you the link so you can appreciate it later. Thank you, and I will. Thank you. Thank you. So I think we can move on to the next question. And again, it's Chef Pablo, and he's asking, what will happen if you don't wake up, Philinor? Nothing. <laughs> uh. <laughs> you wouldn't make Shira angry. Mm-hmm. I don't well I don't think that that like that doesn't stop Gale from eating people. Yeah. Like you just you just wouldn't be aware that Gale is eating. And it people. raises this other weird question which is like when we show up like Philionor is there there is no desert. We don't see the pygmy kings. But then when we do Gale's already there so is it like the worlds merging again? Like did Gale already do this and now we're in Gale's world or 
are we moving forward to a point in time after Gail has done it, or? Uh, uh, well, okay. So Richie pointed out that Filianor is one of Gwen's kids. You know, she could be like the the being of light that sort of like anchors the world together. So when she dies, maybe it unifies the world in darkness. And now, yeah, you're just you've caught up with Gale essentially. Um, but Gale yeah, is obviously yeah. different. Like he has changed from how we have seen him previously. Now he's like a big hulking. Yeah, yeah. Basically, he's kind of smoish in his like I eat people down big. Oh. But again, I that whole DLC like is is like you know it's the same place because the ring knight with the paired swords yeah, he's in yeah. the same place. Shira, she's in the same place. So like yes, it is it is the future, but what does that that doesn't necessarily mean yeah. anything to us as yeah. Dark Souls players because time doesn't mean anything. You can draw parallels with Dark and Orlando. Where like you can be in your Dark and Orlando and then invade Light and Orlando and be invaded by someone from a light and Orlando, they can like coexist. Yeah. Right. I think right. the other thing is like, what happens if we don't wait Filianor? Is like Filianor's orb thing is like it's visibly already rotting away. So presumably just with time this would have happened anyway. We just accelerated it. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And yeah. when we first arrive at the Ring City, the the when I first saw the the very first pygmy that you meet in the Ring City, he's kind of close to the bonfire. Mm-hmm. You can you can miss him, you know. Yeah, yeah. When you talk to him, he tells you, he tells you, he's like, "This is not real. This is not accurate at all. This is a sewer." Yeah. What you are looking at right now, and it's all because of her. Um, if 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 you go see her, you'll see that mm-hmm. this isn't real. And then that guy leaps. The first time I saw that guy, I, I actually, I was like, I wonder if that's the uh-huh. furative pygmy. I wonder if that's him because he's hidden away. You talk to him and then he disappears and you never see him again. Uh, so obviously furative and he is a pygmy. So I was, I was really curious, but I go back and I play Dark Souls one and I look at Manus and I'm like, this has to be, this has to be the fur. This has to be the furative pygmy, right? This has to be the one I, I, I will, I'll go back and forth until. I'm dead, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Actually, Manus is Velka. <sighs> I actually, I really like Manus. I like him as a boss fight. I like him as a character. Yeah. I write. And as a writer, I love the idea that Manus is the furtive pygmy because it wraps everything up. Yep. But it's Dark Souls. So question mark. Maybe it's not. Maybe he's another, you know, who knows? But Velka's the bird. Yes. Everybody knows Velka's the bird. Bird, bird, bird. Bird's the word I said. Bird, bird, bird. Bird, 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 bird. Oh, no, we'll get copyright claimed again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So the next question is, are the pigments carbon-based or silicone-based? I am not educated enough to offer any like i like everything in our life is yes. carbon based right I, I but i don't know i um i'm going to go carbon based but this is a guess so i'll i'll just guess carbon based i think we'll 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 say we'll say carbon based as well cuz that would probably help them burn better mm. lore mm. lore <laughs> 
Okay. Thank you. Um, so we're going to skip the next question about Yorshka and Priscilla because we talk about it in depth in the podcast that we did with Loki. Um, so we can move on to other people as well who ask questions. Okay. Okay. Um, so Bajor Man asks, as descended from the pygmies, how did humans spread over the rest of the world? Oh, I think like there were already humans all over the world. It's just that like they got their ancestors got the the dark soul and it spread among them. Because like the the way it's it's explained by like Karth is that that's the human strength was specifically that like there were lots of them, so the soul was divided among them instead of being held by one, and that's what made them such a threat basically because mm-hmm. it wasn't like you know like you you want to get rid of the the light soul you go and kill the witch of Isolith because she's the one that has it and she's gone whereas with the humans the dark soul was spread among all of them so instead of being able to pinpoint okay that that one over there is the danger just any of them could become like the inheritor of the of the dark soul at any point that's why Gwyn got so paranoid because it was like this entire like species is a threat to me versus this one person is. Hmm. What do you think, Saint? I I like that answer. Yeah, me too. Having played Dark Souls, like the the first time you go into the 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 chasm of the abyss and you see just like humanity, like kind of just floating around. Um, and it's obviously like, I don't, it, it hurts you and it hits you like a video game enemy would. But I, I kind of took from that, that it was more, it was just attracted to you. It was just coming for you. Um, and human bodies just sort of served as, uh, we're told that they serve as a vessel but we also see that they can yeah. serve as a vessel for humanity. Um, so, uh, it, again, I play Dark Souls 1, and I see, you know, Gwen has a million Silver Knights, and I just assume in my mind, well, he, he just split up part of his soul and made all these Silver Knights. Okay, well, later on, that doesn't seem to make as much sense. But I just assumed maybe the, the, the Furtive Pygmy had done the same thing, just split it up and, and given it to a bunch of people. But I, I like the idea of a sort of like just a race of people that existed and this fragment of dark soul, which I guess that's what each humanity represents could just go to anybody. Anybody could have it. And if you pulled it all together, you would like Kate says Mm -hmm. you would have a dark Lord. You can see also, Oh yeah. Like there's, um, the, there's a female corpse model for Dark Souls. It's only used in a few very specific circumstances, but one of them, it's, it's got a twin humanity on it. And the way people have read that is that it's the corpse of someone who is pregnant. So, like the the idea is like that's the the humanity of the mother and the and the unborn child together. So, like you're actually born with with this Dark Soul, yeah, in you. That's sort of what makes you human. And then if you if you start removing that, you become the the hollow, which is like your natural state. 
That makes sense. And it fulfills Miyazaki's um, dead baby quota, it which wasn't does. met yeah. in Dark Souls 1. <laughs> I'd like to imagine he's just got this like list of like ways to get away with having dead babies. So it's like inhuman dead baby, invisible dead baby, implied dead baby, uh, ghost of a baby that means it died at some point. <laughs> Giant monster baby, skeleton baby, zombie baby. I can't wait until they bring back armored core. Oh, oh god, yeah. Robot baby, dead robot baby. (laughs) But but another dead baby can get inside of it and drive it around. (laughs) Is that real? Damn well, better be. Oh, okay, thank you. Um, uh, Art Devonator Arky asks, Why did Gale need to travel far into the future to the ring city if the Dark Soul is literally already within all the humans? Could he just be eating enough pedestrians and achieve the same result? That's a good question. I think going to the 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 pygmy kings is kind of like going to the source but yeah but but gale figures out while he's there like it doesn't work it's which fits the theme of like it never works the chaos flame doesn't work linking the flame doesn't it never works nothing will work it has to end the this is the end dot period it has to stop so he goes there and he's like ah dark soul dark soul and you know the the only time we see like uh in in uh in bloodborne when you use the executioner's gloves yeah. uh, you, there's there's that same texture gale has it and the the grew uh shamans in dark souls 3 have it and it's basically like this blood is dry there's nothing left this is it's it's you know yeah and so gale is like eating bones and he's you know he's hoping it does anything he's basically turning himself into just a vessel to hold but you know he does create whatever enough darkness for you to take some blood back to to his 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 friend and she can make yeah. the painting but i don't i don't think he had to i don't you know he didn't need to do it it was never going to work nothing was ever going to work the you know, it's yeah. it's Dark Souls. It has to. Nothing works. <laughs> it turns out it just sucks. The other way you could look at it is like when they talk about characters sort of splitting their souls. That maybe like humans have like these portions of the Dark Soul, but then like the original Dark Soul is much stronger, and that's what the Pygmies had. And it's right, like right. out across. So maybe he did have to go there to get to the source, like you were saying, that it w- would have been stronger at the source. Mm-hmm. I guess kind of like like Bloodborne does with the blood, where like the blood of Queen Yarnum is stronger than the blood of Queen Annalise, which is stronger than the blood of Ariana, but they're all sort of like different generations of the same family. Yeah, in, in that situation, the blood gets more diluted. Yeah. With Dark Souls, it's... I, I don't know that it's diluted, it's just that like you just keep lighting this... You know, you you live in a world made of fire and you're trying to keep it on fire what's already burning 
you're just running out of stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah. every like even like you know this blood is not potent anymore. It doesn't have the there's nothing left. It's just you know poof. You're yeah. It's a it's a cool looking spell for Gel to cast, and it looks great, and it's cinematic and everything. But like it, the it's 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 very dark soulsian, and it's look how beautiful this dead thing is. Mm. Hmm. Okay. Thank you. So Richie, yeah, could you read Princess Grzester question? Like, this question is apparently from Jerry Seinfeld. What's up with filing shrine? <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever notice that... <laughs> Did you ever notice? <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. What's up with DS3 filing shrine? The one we start the game in, the sky is normal and stays that way throughout the game, but then there are untended graves, which seems to be the, what the world will look like in the Age of Dark. It would make sense if Cemetery of Ash was a past version of untended graves, but Gundy approves otherwise. Champion Gundy, who appears in the untended graves, is an earlier version of Udex Gundy we face in Cemetery of Ash. Also, if we never talk to the handmaid in the Cemetery of Ash, but we talk to the one in Untended Graves, next time we talk to her, she says she remembers us. But that would mean someone did link the flame in the Lothric Age as the clearly future version of Filing Shrine isn't covered in darkness. Does that mean we're coming from the future to the past to link the flame? Also, is there a time skip during the cutscene that plays when we get out the Cinders of Lords? Um, presumably that means when we go forward in time to, to the Drake Heapy place. It seems the con- conversion of the Lords advanced quite a bit in the meantime. Like, there's another half to the question, but I guess we'll talk about Untended Graves first. So the idea that um that untended graves is like some alternate reality or yeah. um some some time travel shenanigans are taking place like I I have heard like a lot of people talk about it. and the the only thing that makes sense to me is you're it's the same place you're 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 visiting it yeah yeah uh, in a world where time doesn't mean anything in a world where time doesn't mean anything you're visiting the same place but you we always say oh the fire flay the, the fire fades age of dark right but um but there is no age of dark without fire right there's no darkness if there's no fire that's that was like the whole thing of dark souls 2 it's like this they don't they're not the opposite of each other. They only exist because of each other. So if the, if the fire is fading, then so too is the dark fading. And like the shrine maiden tells right, you, yeah. she's like, the, the bell's not ringing. Nothing, you know, like, yeah, you're in a, you're, you're in a world where like everything seems chill. There's, there's nothing wrong. The, the, the bell hasn't rang yet, but so like the only thing I've ever thought made any sense at all. And like, we all know, like it, it was supposed to be cut content. It was supposed to be Pontiff Sullivan. Yada. yada okay. Yeah. So it, to me, it's just, here is what it looks like from the other side. Like you, you you know, your, your son's on fire and there's a big eclipse and that's, that's terrifying and scary. Well, here's what it is on the other side. It's just creeping into absolute nothingness. It's, 
Like it's, yeah, you know, nothingness isn't darkness. It's, it's even the absence of that. And like, that's where that's headed, which was, that was the only thing. And I'm not even satisfied with that, but that's like the only thing my mind would. <laughs> yeah. The, the other, um, uh, like things that can affect like the outside world, things that affect the graves is that like the sword master defeating the sword master will make him spawn in untended graves. Um, Yol dying makes him spawn in untended mm-hmm. graves. So like those two things that suggest like it, it can't be the past because those are things you're doing in the present that are affecting the state of untended graves. So like untended graves either has to be the future or it just has to be like a parallel like reality right. that you step into. The other is um uh Crime Held, who's a character in Lothric, she will invade you in untended graves. Right, for yeah. Right. She's the Yeah, she's um Lothric has the the pillars, and she's the uh, scholar, the scholar pillar, right? Yeah, the scholar. Yeah. So, like, from that, you can establish, okay, this is somewhere that, like, mm-hmm. it's you can go here from regular Lothric. This isn't backwards and forwards in time, and it does. It almost seems like it's like parallel, kind of like we were talking about with the two different um, and all, the two different ring cities, like that. Like you, they both seem to exist at the same time. Right. When you destroy the egg, you can right. go back and it's... Okay. Yeah, you can go back. So I think it's it's the same kind of deal. Like, I think the idea behind Untended Graves as it is now is that this is, like, this is what happens when Lothric doesn't link the fire. And that's somehow being held, like, it's, like, stuck in a side, like, pocket dimension or something. But then, like, oh, God, the weirdest part is, is Ludleth. Because Ludleth talks about, like, he's the one who linked the fire in, in Lothric, like, the last time. Uh-huh. And and he, or he he talks in this way that's like, I'm holding it together. So it's almost like Untended Graves is kind of the reality, and Ludleth is holding it back through, like, force of will, because he's he burned himself up. I wonder if there's any... Um... So, if you go to your grave in uh the untended graves you're you're surrounded by uh corvians and the corvians they're like attracted to like sad stories essentially (laughs) yeah yeah. um so like i you know you have the the queen of lothric has given your corpse uh, a ring you're surrounded by the corvians but you're very much dead uh so you know oh (laughs) That if, if or even yeah, even if you say it's a parallel universe, maybe this is just what happens if you don't get raised, right? So like you just in your coffin forever, and then that's why the world goes dark because there's no one to bring the lords back. Yeah. The weird thing is also they talk about like the Queen of Lothric. I think as if she left through the untended graves. There's like some item that implies that. Oh yeah, because she leaves the the ring. So there was yeah. this theory that like. Did the queen like leave Lothric by like however you do it, like going into the untended graves? Yeah. There's also a, a hidden um, in. It's not there in the cemetery of ash, but it's there in untended graves. I think. I think yeah. in. Um, I think in the cemetery of ash, it's just a titanite shard. But if you go through there in untended graves, it's a it's a hidden not not a divine blessing, a hidden blessing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you. So the last question is by Big Easy, and Big Easy is actually the person who encouraged us to invite Saint to this podcast. So Big Easy is the reason this is happening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Big Easy. Yay. Thank you. Yeah. And their question is, did Timbo ever try Embrace again? Timbo was on a collision course with doing Embers. The moment he came into being. I guess that's it for today. There were some audio issues, so um, <laughs> this is what's uh, left of it. Yeah, thanks for losing the audio, Richie. Mm. <laughs> now, I think because you've said that before, <laughs> you should clarify that it wasn't my fault this time. It was, in fact, the fault of the trees. <laughs> yes. The forest has turned against you. The <laughs> nature itself is trying to prevent you from recording this. I've never been on a podcast before that God wanted to stop. The land itself is angered by the snack covenant. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so Thank you so much for coming. Thank you very much for having me. Where can people find you? You can find me on twitch.tv slash Saint Riot, and I will be streaming, uh, I stream Souls games uh, from software games that include Sekiro on the weekends. And during the week, I just play um, typically old Final Fantasy games <laughs> uh, on YouTube at Saint underscore Riot. And those videos are usually things I make in like weird bouts of, of mania. Uh, if that's, you know, if you want to hear somebody screaming like a lunatic, I got you covered. Uh, or you can read my um, nonsensical tweets at uh, underscore saint underscore riot underscore. Thank you very much, Saint. Again, thank you guys. Oh. Now, while we were recording this, my muse did pay me a visit. And the way we'll end this podcast. <laughs> what? What? What, Richie? Continue. Continue. The way we'll end this podcast after, like, the like, I, I, ending yeah. music. Hey, go, go, go! Okay, Richie, you have a lot to talk about. Please tell us. No, I was saying, I just... Okay, you're, you're too... You're too far from from a store to get Japanese slipper ingredients, so I'm not that on edge. But if you'd said my muse with, with me and, and, and you were in Montreal, I would be extremely concerned. <laughs> okay, thank you. And so, after the outro music ends, what we're gonna have is, um, like, a reading of an excerpt from Loki's Twitter about Guinevere, which is something I sent to St. Riot earlier today and I thought we'd have time to discuss, but we don't. So this could be maybe a little preview for like the next time St. Riot is Thank you for listening to both parts of that. Uh, here is to finish off. It's an excerpt of something read by Loki, which is covering something that we wanted to discuss with Saint but didn't have time to. 
and we both hope you have a happy 2020. Happy 2020! In my analysis of Irithyll, I noted Guinevere's rather prominent presence in the Boreal Valley, but the goddess is noticeably absent from the record for the biggest events in the Vale's history, namely the rise and subsequent tyranny of Pontiff Sullivan. Why is she nowhere to be found during these critical years when she was such a public figure in the country's past? Where had she gone to avoid the fate of her kin? The answer is quite simple, because by that point, she had already become the Queen of Lothric. Foremost among the evidence are the Divine Blessings and their Hidden Blessing counterparts. These are Guinevere's holy waters in past games, down to the exact same vials with ornate nature imagery. They even use the same name, which is more accurately translated as Blessings of the Goddess, to signify their owner's divinity specifically. Yet now these holy waters are given out by a queen who just so happens to also be considered a goddess of good harvest and grace, just like Guinevere. And how convenient for this queen to have the same power to bless water with healing properties and recreate the exact same vessel that the goddess contains hers in. It's almost as if they're the same person. The second piece of evidence lies with Gertrude. The queen of Lothric's daughter served her as a holy woman with the unique miracle Bountiful Light. This spell's name, in effect, is obviously derived from the bountiful sunlight of Guinevere, only weaker in power. How convenient that the queen's child inherited a lesser version of the goddess's miracle. It's almost as if they were mother and daughter. Moreover, notice the striking similarity of the queen being attended to by human holy women, the same as Guinevere during her time in Anorlando. It may not even have been the first time that role went to a daughter. Both Rosaria and the Dancer Souls can create one of the two miracles of Guinevere that were previously taught to her holy woman so they could be used to protect warriors on the battlefront. Thus, these two may not only be Guinevere's daughters, but her former holy women as well. Next is the statement of Guinevere birthing many children. Rosaria and the Dancer are the only children we can infer she had with Flan after fleeing in Orlando, with the only other child predating them being Shira. This is most certainly not many, but if the goddess bore any others, we do not meet them, or at least have no evidence to suggest we have. However, this assumes that she isn't the Queen of Lothric. The Queen is known to have sired four children with Oseros, bringing Guinevere's potential progeny up to seven, and well within reason to call many. Indeed, their mother, being a medial, might account for why Lorien, Lothric, and Ocelot are portrayed so much larger than the average human, rather than it being artistic license for bosses. And when it came to her final child, the queen's disappearance at the onset of her white dragon husband's madness is so eerily reminiscent of Guinevere that one cannot blame the royal for fleeing from that horror show a second time. And with the queen's departure comes the final nail in the coffin. During Lothric's final days, the men had forgotten the Princess of Sunlight's caress and bounty. This reference to Guinevere's two miracles is obvious, but doubly so in the original script. The terms used in the Japanese description of projected heel are Iyashi and Megumi. These are normally translated, respectively, as comfort or soothing and blessing or grace, and are the exact same terms used in the Japanese names for soothing and bountiful sunlight referencing the comfort and grace of the sun's light. In other words, the description is a wordplay on the men losing these aspects of her, both physically and miracle-wise. 
This prompted them to spin a crude yet earnest story of the goddess that became this miracle, which functions as another slightly different and less powerful version of Guinevere's spells. Already, this confirms that the goddess was present in Lothric during the last period it was a functional state, but the connection between her and the queen runs much deeper. When using their memory of Guinevere to capture maybe a fragment of the goddess's power, these men of Lothric specifically picture her retreating figure. This implies that the reason for them losing the goddess was that she simply walked away from them all, hence why they needed to write down a tale to retain some memory of her. How convenient that these events occurred during the same period that the Queen of Lothric had suddenly vanished, presumably having left in a similar manner after the trauma she endured. This gives little reason to doubt the queen was the genuine article, rather than some relative or pretender. And because the game makes a point for us to never encounter major characters from past games alive, the fact that Lothric's queen is out of the picture by the time we arrive to the scene is perfectly fitting for a goddess fans have been familiar with since Dark Souls 1. There's also a case to be made for Rosaria being Guinevere. The mother of her birth is, of course, treated with the same status as the goddess and births many children with Aldrich. Leonhard is also quick to take her soul to Irithyll, specifically the Anne Orlando Cathedral's inner sanctum where we encounter the illusion of Guinevere in Dark Souls 1. This last example is an obvious attempt to associate her with the goddess through visual cues, and her name follows the same pattern. Rosaria derives from the Latin rosarium meaning rosary, fitting her covenant's use of a rosary for membership and associating her with the Virgin Mary, the Holy Mother of Christianity, who's prayed to with a rosary in Roman Catholicism. Guinevere was dubbed Imperial Mother Maria in the game files of Dark Souls 1, confirming that both characters are intended to draw upon the same holy and maternal elements as this Christian figure. Finally, the miracle of Guinevere, derived from Rosaria's soul, doesn't mention her holy woman. Thus, it is argued that she is more likely to be the goddess herself rather than her child, like the dancer. We are clearly supposed to associate Rosaria with Guinevere, but this evidence doesn't make as strong a case for her being Guinevere. The description for the aforementioned miracle also notes that Guinevere was a mother and wife, which can be just as easily taken as a hint to Rosaria being her child as much as the woman in question. It is far more likely that this information about Guinevere, mostly recycled text from Dark Souls 1, was simply split between the Sunlight Miracles and isn't indicative of anything about the characters they're each derived from. We can infer that Rosaria and the Dancer must have some relation to the Goddess in order for their souls to create these miracles. But anything else is circumstantial. This is why the spells only possibly indicate that the two served as her holy woman. And the evidence supplementing these circumstances just doesn't pan out. Rosaria never once shares or inspires one of Guinevere's miracles or holy items during her entire tenure at the Cathedral of the Deep. And Leonhard has little reason to take her soul to the site of her illusion at the cathedral rather than her room in the royal manor or someplace more intimately connected with the goddess, specifically. If anything, he may have ultimately come to the cathedral to confront Aldrich for ravaging Rosaria, given it is the abuse she suffered at the god-eater's hand that consumes his adult mind. Even with his dying breath, he only ever calls his goddess Rosaria. If the mother of her birth is Guinevere, Leonhard doesn't seem to be bring her there with that in mind. It's also impossible to compromise that both Rosaria and the Queen of Lothric are Guinevere, as Rosaria had been a prisoner of the Cathedral of the Deep long before the Queen of Lothric left her country. 
Guinevere being exclusively Lothric's queen just makes the most sense in every aspect. And so, I am confident concluding that Guinevere is the queen of Lothric, while Rosaria is her and Flan's daughter. After becoming a prominent figure in Irithyll, the princess was eventually married off to Osiris, likely as part of a political marriage decided between Gwendolyn and the king of Lothric. She then left her and Flan's children behind in the Boreal Valley to perform her royal duties, and was thus absent during Sullivan's subsequent coup. As Queen of Lothric, Guinevere could only accept the pontiff's public testimony and respect her husband's close collaboration with the man. We can't even infer that she knew the current status of her children. Without their mother, the sisters were forced to submit to the pontiff, one becoming the dancer, while Rosaria was eventually sent off to be Aldrich's plaything. Indeed, the decision to exile the dancer as an outrider knight in apparent command of the others may well have been a conscious choice on our crafty pope's part. With Lothric in chaos, sending the daughter of the Queen of Lothric would be a shrewd political move to more easily reach out and reestablish diplomacy. If the country's royalty were still in charge of the state and faithful to the gods, then sending in Irithyll's troops under the command of their relative would be more easily accepted. At worst, she could help smooth over Irithyll's unwelcomed invasion. And if her relation to Guinevere proved irrelevant, then there were other benefits from having a descendant of the royalty there. As to where Guinevere went after leaving Lothar behind, who really knows? There's no evidence of her fleeing with anyone else, and she certainly didn't return to Irithyll. The goddess may have gone far away from Lothric, hoping once again to escape her royal duties and wash her hands of all the turmoil and heartache she's been forced to endure alone, this time for good. If you found this explanation interesting, please consider reading my analyses of Irithyll, Sullivan, Aldrich, and The Deep on my Twitter, which can be found at Loki underscore DS. That's Loki, L-O-K-E-Y underscore DS. Thank you.